0: M. S. W. Media. Hello, and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, June 22nd, 2021. Today, Trump and Weiselberg have been meeting in recent weeks, indicating Weiselberg may not be keen on cooperating, maybe. But we just got some news about another Trump org hire up being investigated. The former guy wanted to send people with COVID to Guantanamo. A federal appeals court affirms that North Carolina's abortion ban is unconstitutional, and a spectacular My Pillow Guy fail. I'm your host, Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hello, Dana. Hello. Hi. How are you, my dear friend? I am well. And uh, a little bit earlier, I had the best time with you talking to our guest on today's show, Erin Foley. She's absolutely amazing. She's
1: one of my favorite people. This is the thing I can say. And you know, you have these comedian friends. Some people I perform with love them. They're funny as hell. I never want to have dinner with them. Erin Foley is one of my favorite people off the stage as well. She's just a mensch, as you would say. As as the, as the Jewish people would say, she is a mensch. Yeah. And she is
0: the founder and host of the monthly show for over a decade, I think, called Gays R Us. Yeah. And uh, we talked to her about what changed going into COVID, what is changing coming out of COVID and and just some really spectacular upcoming events. So I hope everybody, it's a fun, it's a really fun conversation.
1: It is. Erin's just, she's just great off the cuff. And I mean, obviously you and I are brilliant. So just adding Erin huh. in there was... I mean, how could you possibly go wrong? I know, I know. We were.
0: It's just, it's hard to imagine. You know what? I bet we could have figured a way to screw it up, though. We could have figured <laughs> we a way to were screw it.
1: Up. it. <laughs> you were very sweet to me today in the news. You gave me some Schadenfreude at the end.
0: Oh, it is the funniest thing. I, and and you know, I like to highlight your comedic talents on the show. And so whenever there's just an absolutely hilarious story. I cannot hoard it for myself. I have to give it to you, and I can't wait to 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 hear
1: you talk about this. It's going to be great. I mean, sometimes you know what? It's just generous because we're just going to stroke each other's egos for the first five minutes of the show today. Uh, Ag, you're also brilliant with the comedic timing. So thanks for sharing that with me, uh, but wonderful. A shit ton of news. So I don't know. yeah,
0: and and listeners, you are absolutely by far the best listeners and contributors to our good news segment. Thank you so much for doing that. I can't say enough kind things about you. Also, and we're going to get to the good news uh, after we talk to Aaron Foley. But first, we have a lot of headlines to hit, so let's get to the hot notes. Awesome. Hot notes. All right, lead story today comes from the Washington Post. Folks have been wondering why Trump has left Bedminster to head back to New York City, and now it seems like we have an answer. He's been canoodling with Alan Weiselberg at Trump Tower, uh, and Weiselberg continues to show up to work there. Now that is I went I like scanned this entire article and that's really all I can see in there that's kind of news Lots of outlets are spinning this as a sign that Weisselberg may not be cooperating or may not be willing to cooperate. Here's a quote from the Post article, quote, Weisselberg will turn 74 in August if authorities move against him, as some legal experts predict. He may have to decide whether to face charges, possibly alongside his son, or to accept a deal that would require testifying against Trump, who avoids using email, creating little documentation of his decision making. Now, I'd like to reiterate my position. That I believe uh, he will flip on Trump. Uh, and if they don't need him, I, I, I have this feeling that they they might not need him as much as everyone says, you know, how Dana, everyone's like they have to have Weislerberg's testimony because Trump can just say, oh, I had no idea. I'm the CEO. I don't know anything that happens.
1: Right. Not if there's a paper trail.
0: Yeah, and that's what I think that has been my beans this whole time, right? They spent two years going up to the Supreme Court and then back down and then back up to the Supreme Court and finally got their hands on the Mazars documents. And there had to have been something that they knew about in those Mazars documents that they needed to prove that Trump knew that they were doing illegal shit at his company, namely, probably giving benefits and perks to employees. And, and you as using it as a tax haven, not not considering it, not, you know, that they, they didn't have to pay income tax on that. And nor did Trump have to pay payroll tax on those right. gifts. Right. And so that's I'm still sticking with those beans. At, people think I'm crazy. They say you should abandon that theory by now. But I, I got to tell you, Dana. It just wouldn't make any sense for the New York attorney general to announce this big collaboration with Cy Vance. And it wouldn't make any sense for Cy Vance to announce this big special grand jury. It wouldn't make any sense for him to retire or hire Pomerantz or hire a forensics unit if he didn't have some sort of already proof or if Weiselberg weren't already helping. But if Weisselberg's not helping, that leads me to believe not that they're only going to get Weisselberg. It leads me to
1: believe that they don't need him. And so... They are never going to put their beans down on this guy's word, who's worked for a criminal his entire life. Going, I'll give you what you need. I'll give you the information you need without having evidence. There's no chance. Uh,
0: Yeah, I don't know, and and they might, you know. I just I feel like if they desperately needed and needed him and didn't have him, they wouldn't have announced all this. I mean, that would just be dumb, right? I'm retiring, and we have a New York Attorney General helping, and we've got this special grand jury. If they weren't going to or didn't think that they could indict Trump, so. I am just or at least his kids. Right. Sure. So I don't know. Uh, but also this could be I, I Trump meeting with Weiselberg is, is a bad decision because what if what they're talking about can be considered obstruction of justice? I mean, the cover up is always worse than the crime. And these mobby toolbags cannot help themselves.
1: You know what? I just had a little uh, podcast wet dream. I know this probably is not what's happening, but. How do we know he's not recording him? The guy's a moron. He has been recorded on tape several times with people he quote unquote trusted. How do we know Weisselberg hasn't already flipped is working with them and he's recording the meetings? I have thought that, too. What if he's wearing a wire? I mean, Rosenstein cried and
0: said he would wear a wire talking to Trump. Who knows? (laughs) You know, these who knows. But something else happened today. This this just dropped, quote, New York prosecutors are investigating whether a top Trump organization executive Matthew Calamari received tax free fringe benefits as part of their probe into whether former President Donald Trump's company and its employees illegally avoided paying taxes on such perks. Prosecutors interest in Mr. Calamari, once Mr. Trump's bodyguard, indicates that their probe into the Trump organization's alleged practice of providing employees with cars and apartments extends beyond Allen Weisselberg. This, to me, could be the crux of the Oka investigation. That's Little Rico in New York, which requires three crimes and furtherance of positively impacting the bottom line of a company illegally. Now, prosecutors in recent weeks advised Calamari, the DA's office, prosecutors in the DA's office, advised Calamari and his son, Calamari Jr., <laughs> that, they, that they should hire
1: lawyers. Stop it. Hire- I, can't, I can't with the Calamari Jr.'s. <laughs> I know. What is baby octopus called? Or baby squid? It's just... Baby squid. (laughs) Baby squid. Squid Squid pro crow. Squid pro crow.
0: But yeah, I mean, we've been talking about calamari since like the kitchen days of Muller, she wrote. Now...
1: The kitchen days calamari.
0: (laughs) 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 I'm going to get my air fryer ready to go. Get your air
1: fryer ready. Let's do this.
0: <laughs> That's what it should be, ladies and gentlemen. Get your air fryers. It's about to go down. Miss Calamari more indictments. Calamari Jr. in the house. Okay. Okay. The prosecutor said, "Hire your own lawyers." So the elder Calamari, who works at the Trump Organization's chief operating officer, he went from a bodyguard to a COO, and his son, the company's corporate director of security, who just graduated from high school in 2011, by the way they had previously been represented by a lawyer who was also representing another Trump organization employee. (laughs) They're like, you should probably get your own. (laughs) Such a recommendation is a sign that prosecutors interest in a subject is intensifying. Okay, they want to say caveat here, though, that doesn't mean the Calamari's will be charged with
1: wrongdoing. (laughs) (laughs) Now it just sounds like you're making it up. I know.
0: (laughs) The elder Calamari has for years lived in an apartment at Trump Park Avenue. And that's on the Manhattan's east side. Other people familiar with the matter said he also owns a home on Long Island, according to public records. Mr. Calamari on Long Island. Uh, he drives a Mercedes, leaves through the Trump Organization. Uh, the young Calamari lives in Trump Park East, which is across the street from Central Park. Barry Weiselberg, the son of Alan Weiselberg, said in a 2018 deposition for his divorce that he lived
1: in the same building, which I think was given to him because he ran. What could possibly be a very illegal ice skating rink. <laughs> okay, <laughs> a, it's all
0: Monday laundering operation. But so now we've got Weiselberg and his kid, Calamari and his kid, and this just—I uh, don't know if this is a, a, a flip operation or if this is part of a Oka investigation or both or what. Uh, but I, I've reached out to some of my friends who have worked or do work in the Manhattan District Attorney's office. And I've asked them and I will be going over that in a future episode as soon as I get
1: an answer. So I that's mean, what's going on you would have thought that was mind. a sch- schadenfreude, but it's not. That's still at the end. Um, my story, not involved in schadenfreude, is that a federal appeals court has unanimously affirmed that North Carolina's decades old ban on abortion after 20 weeks of pregnancy is unconstitutional and poses a credible threat of prosecution to abortion providers. The ruling comes one month after the U.S. Supreme Court announced that it will review a case challenging Mississippi's restrictive ban and consider whether, quote, all pre-viability prohibitions on elective abortions are unconstitutional. This is a big case. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit was examining a 1973 law generally barring women from terminating their pregnancies after 20 weeks, now a measure similar to laws in more than a dozen other states. The court rejected North Carolina's argument that it was a case without controversy because no abortion providers have been prosecuted under the state's law. So the lawsuit was filed. I know the lawsuit was filed after North Carolina legislature amended the statute in 2015 to narrow medical exemptions. The law has been blocked since a district court judge struck down the measure in 2019. Well, North Carolina officials did not defend the constitutionality of the law, but said abortion providers did not have standing to bring the lawsuit because the threat of prosecution was not credible. Yes. You can't see AG, but her head just
0: exploded. I I, I, then take it off the books and make it not a law. If the threat of prosecution is incredible, you dumb, excuse me, people. (laughs)
1: Oh, I love that word. We really, really need to bring the C word back in the United States. Everyone in Indeed. overseas uses it with authority. Okay, authority. less part. Abortion rights advocates and providers praise the ruling, saying it adheres to Supreme Court rulings since Roe v. Wade that have said states cannot block women from having abortions before a fetus is viable and could survive outside the womb. And if you're Jewish, you know that a fetus isn't even considered viable until after it graduates from medical school. So we're yeah. not even talking about that. <laughs> that left turn was the best thing I've heard in a long time. <laughs> AG's like, oh, where is she going with this? This isn't this kind well, of Well, because show. I
0: know about, like, there's no viability for a fetus. You, right. you aren't a person until you take a breath, right? Exactly. But you're like, till they graduate from medical school. And I'm yeah, like, or
1: law school. My Jewish mother just left. I will yeah, never be a full I was just gonna human say. being. I will never be a full human being. <laughs>
0: you're not a viable (laughs) you you cannot live outside the womb until you graduate from law school yes okay that's wonderful yeah given trump's bid to try to buy greenland
1: (laughs) these stories if you're not enjoying this episode i mean just the
0: story headlines okay go ahead or his idea about injecting bleach into humans or his plan to build a moat with alligators at the border, or that time he refused to let a cruise ship with COVID passengers dock, this next story does not surprise me one bit. From Raw Story, this is the lead. Former President Donald Trump reportedly stunned AIDS early in the coronavirus pandemic by suggesting that infected Americans be sent to Guantanamo Bay. (laughs)
1: Like living under his administration hasn't been torture enough for this entire country.
0: The former president brought up the topic at least twice, according to, quote, nightmare scenario inside the Trump administration's response to the pandemic that changed history, which is a new book by Washington Post journalist Yasmin Abudalab and uh, Damian Poletta. Yeah, <laughs> nightmare scenario. Precisely, Guantanamo. Quote, don't we have an island that we own? Trump reportedly asked aides in the Situation Room in February of 2020. February of 2020. February of 2020. Don't we have an island that we own? <laughs> <laughs> this was before the outbreak exploded. What about Guantanamo? AIDS were shocked and moved quickly to quash the idea to quarantine infected Americans at the same location as the naval base where terrorism suspects are held. Wait, AIDS were shocked? Seriously? Uh, who in the Trump White House said, you know... Flesh-piercing black spikes on the border wall and internment camps for children of a tender age, sure. But Guantanamo for COVID patients? Well, that's where I draw the line.
1: (laughs) That was a big pearl grab.
0: (gasps) What? Yeah. Quote, we import goods. We're not going to import a virus, Trump said. (laughs) Trump also bitterly complained about testing in those early weeks, saying that positive cases would hurt his chances for (laughs) re-election. Quote, testing is killing me, he reportedly complained, at the then Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar on March. This was March 18th. Quote, I'm going to lose the election because of testing. What idiot had the federal government do testing? Oh,
1: my fucking God. (laughs) I I don't normally say that. I'm sorry if you're religious and that was sacrilegious, but holy shit.
0: (laughs) Also, not a surprise from the guy who said COVID numbers would drop if we'd only stop testing for it. I remember this clearly.
1: Oh, You've so, given yeah. me so much, and now you still, I can't.
0: I'm the gift that keeps giving, uh, Dana. I have left the best for last. It's time for some schadenfreude. schadenfreude.
1: Okay. Oh, my God. Allison, this is hilarious. Okay, so my pillow CEO Mike Lindell's charity and business combo venture to make and sell COVID-19 masks has cost him millions of dollars. This is according to the increasingly far-right conservative figure Now, today, his company is sitting on millions of unsold face coverings, which he now despises and wants to burn them. So he wants to burn them because nothing's going to own the lives like burning millions of dollars of your own fucking product. Okay. He said, I can't give them away. Lindell told the Daily Beast in a phone interview this week. I tried to. No one wants the things anymore. Lindell, who claims to have retrofitted about 75% of my Pillow's manufacturing line to sew cloth masks, said the machinery and space he'd invested in now sits idle and empty. The CEO estimates he was able to offload about 5% of his mask inventory, and that all told, the operation cost his company, and him personally, a combined $7 million. <laughs> right? Quote, how many of those do we have that we ought to just burn? lindell asked an aide during the interview the assistant confirmed the number was about two million. Two million masks they're saying they should just burn lindell chalks up his losses to various parties including many bad people in the mask industry <laughs> yes google the media politically motivated boycotts but the biggest hit came when foreign competitors undercut prices and flooded the market yeah so not his dipshit idiotic business
0: idea of retooling pillow factories to make masks toward the end of a pandemic. But right. OK, but every, but it's it's the it's the many bad people in the mask industry. I just that it's F, amazing. That over.
1: It's like coming up and being like, I'm pregnant. And they're like, oh, shit, put on this condom. OK, you're a little late. <laughs> this, <laughs> <laughs> this next quote pretty much sums it up. Oh, this is a quote. All of a the sudden there were masks everywhere. Almost as if the industry knew it was coming and waited for prices to go down, <laughs> the businessman said. <laughs> now I probably it, now, <laughs> now. it was like the industry knew it was coming. <laughs> oh, my God. Now I probably got seven million out of my pocket that we're just stuck with. <sighs> you dumb fuck. Ultimately, the operation appears to have been a failed charity effort that Lindell then turned into a failed business venture, which he then turned back into a charity because he wants to give them away or burn them. Now, throughout the interview, Lindell predicted this article would unfairly spin his mask enterprise as a, quote, failure, right? (laughs) Because any other business I know that loses $7 million, (laughs) always on the top of the Fortune 500 for success stories. But he invariably fell back to bitter lamentations and gripes about all the things that went wrong. And even though he has since converted into a virulent anti-masker, Mind you, he was making masks, but he doesn't so, believe in them. No. <laughs> Lindell was conspicuously unconcerned about the idea that he was misled into embarking on a charitable venture, which he would have caused more harm than good. Instead, he laid the blame on a multitude of commercial and regulatory hangups that plagued the endeavor. He even defended his products as totems of comfort that carried Americans through a dark time. He said, I don't mind because it <laughs> helped so many people back then.
0: God, if he only had some sort of experience manufacturing things out of cloth, you know, I I, maybe he would have understood a little bit more the regulations that you have to comply with in order to have a business of making things out of
1: cloth. Oh, my God. And this is what's crazy. This project, this was announced last March. He first announced it last March during a televised Rose Garden press event alongside president, the president at the time, the former guy and a number of corporate executives last March. I bet this shit turned into a super spreader event, too, by the way, because this was in the Rose Garden. Anyway, Trump had at the time called in American companies to boost the government. Government's anemic capacity to manufacture and distribute protective gear for desperate hospitals and frontline workers. When the president gave the podium to Pillow Tycoon, Lindell delivered a short and bizarre speech during which he said Trump had been, quote, chosen by God for the moment. That'll make you an atheist, won't it? Woo! Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, according to Lindell, my pillow had intended only to donate its mask to frontline workers. Great idea in theory. In the opening stages, he said the company produced about 50,000 masks a week, cutting its cotton sheet fabric into face coverings and stitching in sourced elastic. But the plan soon hit roadblocks. For one, it's a fucking cloth from a pillow. The cloths didn't meet Food and Drug Administration standards. I mean, they meet pillow standards, though. Oh, Any of you that are into that, you know that you can breathe through a pillow when it's put on your face. So I'm not, you know, I'm sure the virus can make it through, but this is a great if there were (laughs) tiny pillows that you attach to your mouth, just a strap. I can't nobody wants them. What the F? (laughs) Oh my God. I know this. This is, we got it. There's so much more left to the story. This is another quote. We were only going to donate to VA hospitals. You jackass. Nursing homes, again, you jackass. But the FDA and the Center for Disease Control and Prevention made it that you could only use certain masks from certain factories. They Lindell made said. it that way. Yes. The
0: CDC made it that way. That 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 you can only medical grade employees can only have medical
1: grade masks. Yes. That was a, it's brand new. Brand new rule. I know you want to use that fabric that all air goes through, but you have to use an N95 grade for people in the hospital. Now, as for Lindell's original pillow business, he says he's only been able to shift a fraction of his mask operation back to normal business use. Are you sewing the masks back together for pillowcases? I don't understand what's happening, A.G. (laughs) Another quote though, that building sits about the same way it was when I converted it last May. That's all the same now, he said. I don't know how to convert it back. You can't just cut wires and stuff. Will we need it again? Probably not. But we are probably eventually have to sell the sewing machines. We bought hundreds. This is a businessman. And his best friend is also a failed businessman. I don't
0: know how to convert it back. You just can't (laughs) cut wires and stuff. We'll probably have to
1: eventually sell those sewing machines. We bought hundreds. Oh, my God. This story is making me lightheaded. As for the millions of masks sitting in that warehouse. So they're basically free for the taking. OK, he said we gave away five million masks to the public free across this country. And it cost us about four point eight million to make them. He said anyone can have them now. I don't care. It cost him four point eight million dollars to make five million masks. <laughs> I mean, the overhead.
0: What are you, overheads? He's like, yeah, anyone can have them now. I don't care. All right, this has been a really, really fun hot notes, but we're getting a little late in the day. So I'm going to tell you, we'll be right back with the founder of Gays RS Comedy, Aaron Foley. Stay with us.
2: After these messages,
1: we'll be right
0: back. Hey, everybody, it's Allison. And today's episode of The Beans is brought to you by Titan. As we know, traditionally, Wall Street ignores everyday investors and they cater to the ultra wealthy only. For far too long, the average investor has been totally left behind and totally neglected. We get the same old generic advice like, hey, buy index funds or whatever. Meanwhile, ultra-rich people get access to premium investment strategies, white glove service, and top-of-the-line advice. This divide didn't sit well with the creators of Titan. They've introduced a world-class investment manager for the rest of us. Thanks to Titan, everyday investors like you and me can have their capital invested like a premier investment firm invests for the ultra-rich. And you do it all through the Titan mobile app. Titan's goal is to give you access to the best investment experience and vice in the world, but without the high minimums or lockups or performance fees, any of that, none of that hassle. Their in-house investment team invests your capital using award-winning strategies, and they deliver daily research updates via the Titan app. Titan aims to grow your capital over the long term. And what they do, here's how they do it. They identify stocks known as compounders, and they hang on to those, and it really grows your investment. With Titan, it's like having an elite investment manager in your pocket. And with Titan, they don't just expertly invest your capital. They actually explain everything to you because they know you're not dumb. I love it. By giving their clients courtside seats, they become smart investors. Uh, And I absolutely love that. Titan manages hundreds of millions of dollars for over 25,000 clients and counting. And they were named the 2020 Top Investment App of the Year by U.S. News. So to get started, all you got to do is download the Titan app and start investing today with Titan, and you'll get three months with zero fees. So visit TitanVest.com slash Daily Beans. That's where you have to go so you can get the app for three months with zero fees. Just go to TitanVest, T-I-T-A-N-V-E-S-T, T-I-T-A-N-V-E-S-T.com slash Daily Beans. You'll be glad you did. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am honored to be joined today by comedian, writer and comedic actress. She, you've seen her on Conan O'Brien at Midnight and Chelsea Lately, and she's also the founder of the Gays RS comedy show. Please welcome Erin Foley. Hey, Erin.
2: Hello. Thanks for having me
0: on. One of my favorite people on the planet. There's my friend. <laughs> 100%. I was going to give you a whole intro, Dana, but hey, everybody, it's Dana Goldberg. I can't,
1: I can't. You don't even need to introduce me. I'm too excited.
2: Dana has been on all kinds of stuff, doing stuff around the country, making money for people that need it. Ow. That's my
1: intro. Very lovely. That's it. Who needs an intro? Did you record that? Can we just play that before every show that I have ever? Thank you very much. <laughs> yes, you're welcome uh
0: now uh be careful what you ask for so aaron it's so it's an honor to talk to you and i want you to tell us well first of all what you've been up to lately how are you
2: oh living the living the dream uh this past year and a half has just flown by um i've decided that um when people don't ask, don't answer that question, honestly, I can't be friends with them. Like, I've had a couple of interactions lately that's like, you know, I was just thriving during the pandemic. I was just doing so much stuff and I was like, nope. Like, I just, I would rather have someone just sob in my arms <laughs> than be like, I was really active. I was really active. Um. So, yeah, I've been up to a lot of stuff. Let's see. Um... I am thankful, though, that we did gaze Us through the pandemic. We fired it up online, and I know Zoom isn't the best thing for t- slinging jokes, but it did feel like I, I, I connected. It was some connection, you know, which was really, I think, sweet and fun, and I needed it and got a lot of uh, positive feedback that... Um you know, it felt like, it still felt like an event, you know, it was, uh, uh, it still felt like we could see people on the other side of the computer and know that people all, we're all kind of in this together. So I, uh, I'm really, I'm really thankful for that. So yeah.
1: You did a good job of shifting it. I mean, I think as comedians, we had to either figure out, it was either like survive or die. Like that's what we're doing. And you did a really good job. You, you adjusted, you found even an, another platform, basically halfway through that worked better. And you know, I did the shows with you and we had a Q&A at the end and it was a complete shit show but there were people so happy and they show up every month just like they have for your show for the last 85 years and it was good. It was, it was good.
2: Yeah, Dana thankfully uh was my my guinea pig on uh, rush ticks which I can't recommend enough. So Dana did like 15 minutes and then we did a Q&A and it wasn't a shit show. It was so fun. I It was really good. at a gin and tonic. So I was feeling a little bit looser. And I don't re- quite remember what I said, but I remember having a good time. Well, it's it's somewhere
0: for posterity, right? Like we yeah, can go watch so. it. <laughs> I always do. Del- like I'm like, mm, yeah, I think I had a couple glasses of wine on that happy hour Zoom call. Yeah. Should I go back and watch it? <laughs> nah. Mm, no, who's who's that going to help? Really, nobody. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Dana knows this too. It's so funny that you bring up like if people don't answer you honestly about how they've been for the last year and a half. We've talked to Mary Trump a few times on this show, and she, she told me before we even started recording, she's like, don't ask me how I am. You are not allowed to ask me how I'm doing.
1: <laughs> I mean, how is one doing when their family is trying to destroy democracy in the United States of America?
2: I'm always- I had another great morning. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I strung out of bed.
0: I'm always fucking it up, too. I can never remember it. So every time I see her, I'm like, Mary, how are you? And then I'm like, oh, never mind. I'm so sorry.
2: I became, you know, like everybody else that became addicted to Mary Trump on MSNBC. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that you two talk to her. She's she's just an absolute dreamboat. She's like, here's what the cards i have been handed. And now, you know, I'm spinning them. I I I think she's just done such a tremendous job given the circumstances. She's a superhero.
1: She is, she is. She's like I'm gonna take the cards I was handed. I'm gonna burn them and then I'm gonna make yeah. my own deck. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. imagine her like in a Starbucks eavesdropping and somebody's like, "My life is so weird and hard." And she's just probably
2: sitting there like, mm. Hi, "Can I introduce myself to you real quick, uh, Mary <laughs> Trump?" Yes. <laughs> Related. Thank you. Bye.
0: And that story about how she ended up going to some, her, I think her aunt's birthday at the white house and she's staying at a Trump hotel. And she's like, and then I opened up uh, the Trump refrigerator and took a giant swig of the Trump wine. And it went directly to my Trump brain. Well, not
1: to mention her, well, I think it was her sister-in-law, her aunt, probably her aunt was like, Oh, this party, we're going to miss the polo match in London. And she's like, you know what? I'm missing my wedding in Hawaii to the woman that I'm going to marry that None of you know about, so you can go fuck yourself. Like, I'm sorry you're missing the poem match, but take it down a notch. God,
2: she is just so many like good, like okay, you wanna oh oh okay.
1: She's got a lot of beers for people to hold, that's what it is. Mary (laughs) Trump has all the beers. Hold
2: my purse, hold my purse, yeah.
0: Such a purse, it's a nice purse. Uh, OK, so tell tell me about when you started Gays R Us and 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 Dana had mentioned a little bit about sort of having to cope with what happened when COVID hit and that, you you know, you did it. You did it with some style. So tell us about tell us about that.
2: It's just one of those things where it just became like this insane labor of love. You know what I mean? It just takes a lot to produce uh, a comedy show every month for like 12 years. <laughs> Um, and I, I honestly hate the, the producing part of it. And I, every year I'd be like, this is it. This is my last year. This is, you know, it just wears on you. But then you get to the, you know, we got to the improv, did it the first Wednesday of every month and it was just so joyful. And Dana can attach, she's headlined so many times, um, Because it was just, you know, one night where I knew the lineup was going to be spectacular. It was going to be everybody, you know, feeling so comfortable on stage and all the audience members just feeling like, okay, we're not going to be the butt of any joke. And it was just so fun. Yeah. But can you imagine being Mary Trump trying to produce a comedy show? I mean, I'm kidding. (laughs) You know, I've got this one, Mary Trump.
0: Uh, But you did it so well. Like, it worked. Like, I've produced comedy shows at like bob's big boy or whatever the fuck <laughs> and no one likes
2: <laughs> a bragger allison
1: my goodness and
0: you're like you know you're like all right i'm gonna market the fuck out of this and then like two people show up and then the next week you do one at like jim's clem's bottle house and <laughs> and for some reason you don't do anything because you don't care anymore and they're like nine thousand people there so it, it i think it's truly truly incredible how
2: you did this how you pulled it off well I don't know how to follow up those those two shows that you did those those are powerhouse <laughs> venues so I'm in awe that you even did something at Bob's Big Boy and then Clemens Ale House but uh, no I mean honestly people they just kept coming you know i i think the the audience was so warm and wo- and wonderful and it was just super feel good and i think my favorite part was like the staff at the improv like they never know they just show up they don't re- they don't never know like what show's going on it's just a shift for them and they would see me and they would just get so excited for the show cuz she's like th- they'd always say to me like your audience is so nice like it's so feel good it was so positive you know and that's um, that was the, that to me is the best part. It just always felt like a really feel good, sweet night. And when the staff of a club is like looking forward to your
1: for sure. show,
2: that, that really meant a lot. I think
1: yeah. that's, t- that's one of your, I, the claim to fame for Gays R Us is because it's a, it's a lineup of diverse comics that normally some people won't even get stage time or, you know, mainstream clubs won't let them headline. And, You know, the audience doesn't have to work. Like you said, it doesn't have to worry about being attacked like we're we're all already attacked.
2: So now we're just healing like that's what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's an audience filled with Mary Trump. You know, it's just (laughs) I'm just going to bring it back to her every 30 seconds. And we all punch up
0: together. Yeah. I mean, it's it's totally that. And and I am excited to to tell the listeners of this show, about what you have coming up in the future because every single venue we went to, the same thing. They were like, your audience are the nicest, fattest tippers on the planet and they're so great and please come back because, you know, we had joe rogan here the other night and they were just a bunch of dicks no i don't know i don't, yeah. I don't that's I'm, a good example
2: i mean, I mean it was no a good i was example. like that is actually the best example
0: yeah that
1: actually yeah
0: but i i do want to talk about what you have coming in the future but i have to take a, a quick break will you stay with me of course awesome thank you it'll be weird if you're like no
1: all right. <laughs>
0: Bye. right we'll be right back every day. <laughs> hello it's allison and this portion of the beans is brought to you by all form you know i love this company so much if you've been listening to the show for a while You've heard me talk about my Helix mattress and how it's the best thing ever. It solved all my sleep issues because it was customized specifically for the way I sleep. And so I now have exciting news. Helix has gone beyond my bedroom and they've launched a new company called Allform and they're making premium customizable sofas and chairs that ship right to your door. Fast, free shipping. Allform makes the most beautiful, high quality furniture to fit your own personal style. Their sofas and chairs are designed to your specs and then they're delivered directly to you with that fast, free shipping I was telling you about. You get to customize your own luxury furniture using premium materials at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. Because with Allform, you get to pick your fabric, which is, first of all, spill, stain, and scratch resistant, which is perfect for pod pet parents. You pick the color of the fabric, the color and finish of the legs, the sofa size, the shape, the configuration. That way you can make sure it's perfect for you and your home. I picked out a three-seater sofa, and I customized it with whiskey-colored leather. I never got to have a leather couch because I've had cats my whole life, but now I do. I got a walnut leg finish to match my mid-century modern vibe with a chaise lounge on the side. Came in a couple of days. I put it together myself with no tools necessary. And they deliver so fast. Because normally if you want a new sofa, especially a custom one, it takes weeks or months. Usually months. And then someone has to come put it together for you. But like I said, it all form Takes just three to seven days. You can assemble it yourself. No tools needed. It only takes a few minutes. Allform has beautiful armchairs and love seats all the way up to eight seat sectionals. So there's something for everyone. And you can always start small and add on later if you move into a bigger house or your family grows. It's so great and so customizable and perfect. And you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep what you got. That's more than three months. And if you don't love it, you'll love it though. But if you don't, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. They also have a forever warranty. <laughs> so to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com dailybeans And Allform is offering 20% off all orders. For our listeners, just go to allform.com slash Daily Beans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We're talking to the founder of Gays R.S. Comedy, Aaron Foley. And Dana's here with us, too. And and Aaron, I I want to know, sort of now, I mean, you, you did such a good job keeping this going during COVID. Now we're, we're sort of coming out of it uh, or we are coming out of it. And I'm wondering what the future looks like. Or like, are you, are you stoked for this?
2: I am, I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I think, I think what's going to happen is like, there'll probably be a combo of doing the live show again, and then maybe doing some special event shows on rush ticks. Um, I just have to figure, you know what I mean? It's, it's sort of like, I think we're going through this weird stage of, um, people want to go out. They don't want to go out. Yeah. They they want to go out, but they don't want to be in a pack room. They want to, you know, and so I think it's just comedy wise. We're in this kind of weird, maybe I would say two, three month transition period um, where I think people, well, we'll just kind of figure it out. I think it's going to be really month to month. Um, you know what the next steps are, but you know, whether it's a, a reincarnation of gays or whatever it is, they'll, they'll be, I will be, uh, you know, in support of some monthly gay something somewhere. (laughs) I think I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't know what what's going to happen.
0: Can I get a shirt? I support some monthly gay something somewhere.
2: (laughs) That's what I I don't really know how to answer the question, but I think that's what I'm going to still work towards. Something gay and fun where people are slinging jokes and they feel super comfortable and safe and it's warm and friendly. Um, because that's, that's, that's always going to be my goal. So I've got to figure out what that, what that means. Well, I love
0: the idea of like somehow keeping it digital too, maybe live streaming. And I think there's so many people, you know, when COVID hit, whether it's comedy or music or, uh, you know, they, but that. Previously to COVID, there were so many people who couldn't get out to venues, too. And I think that that sort of opens up uh, the audience. And I think that that would be a a pretty amazing idea because it's just I think you just have the potential of reaching so many more people. Yeah.
2: Yeah, for
1: sure. I think it's a catch 22 and Aaron you could probably attest to this is that when everyone can come to every show all of the time and you're like oh god I did not write another 15 minutes because you guys were all here. All all of you were here <laughs> last month all of you. Um, so I think getting back to live comedy and the other thing and you know Aaron and I both know so do you AG is that we know we got to work out jokes like we we try and gauge whether they're funny by audience reaction and when you're doing them alone in your living room it, every joke is either killing or sucking and you're really not sure so it's hard without that live
0: feedback um but yeah i mean hey I, I hosted an open mic for six years i did the same material every sunday so i mean people are into it people will start i mean like uh like shouting your punchlines out before you get to them it's awesome it's <laughs>
2: horrifying i love allison that spin on on what I call timeless classics um, (laughs) is is wonderful. That was always, that is always that extra pressure, Dana. You're right. I mean, I host the show for every month for 12 years and it's 10 minutes up top. And you, you, I'm constantly putting new stuff in. Not that it's ready, but I've got to put it in. <laughs> but also hosting that first 10, 12 minutes. You know how you both know how it is. It's like you also have this job to get everybody out of what I call out of their cubicle. P.S. Nobody works um, in L.A. You know what I mean? So you got to get them out focused. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah, it's, it's a, lot. a lot. I think host hosting is You know, incredibly difficult. I don't know why we put young comics hosting anything is completely insane. The headliner should host the whole show. Um, But, uh, you know, it's 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 a beast. That's why that's why I always said, like, I always kept going because of, you know, the, the crowds were. They were, they were up for it. They, you know, they were, they're always like excited. And I was, I just would go, I don't know if this works, but right now I really don't because I, I have no response <laughs> at all. So I'm coming out of the pandemic, having done stand-up for the last 11 months, no idea! Like, I've been doing it. I don't know if it's been working, but I'm certainly trying. But, like...
1: The last show yeah. Aaron and I did together, literally, if no one had been watching, it was myself, Deanne Smith, Alec Moppa, Bridget McManus, Aaron Foley, and we, for the 50, first 15 minutes, watched Alec MAPA try and work technology and if nothing else had happened that night it was such a blissful time to spend with each other okay. um, so sometimes the audience is very important but in the days of COVID really are they even there yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah. And you and you have to do material, right? Because yeah. I mean, what kind of crowd work are you going to do on a Zoom call? Like, hey, let's look at that screen name. Hey, put your job in the chat. You know, I mean, it's,
1: yeah. it's gotta be just <laughs>
0: totally weird because what I host and I'm terrible at hosting what I host, I, I'm usually just doing crowd work, you know, that it's it's just such a different world.
2: I know. I think, you know, you, you get, you know, some of the Zoom stuff, you really get some feedback, you know, on Rush Tick, they're like, super professional so it like the, so they're taking the pressure off the audience so they're not on Zoom it's another type of platform where so which I think is really good for the audience but for the performer you're just literally performing it to like Dana in the screen, like you can't see anyone. But I honestly think maybe that might be better in a way, because the week before I started doing it on Rush Ticks, I was doing a comedy show and it was one of the screens was just a grill. It was hot dogs and hamburgers and a hand would come in and flip the burger. Aaron was Foley, like,
1: my last live show, I watched a parent cut their child's hair for 45 minutes. <laughs>
2: There we go. So this is this this is like okay. Jeffrey Jeffrey Tubin
0: wasn't there. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Is that Jeffrey (laughs) Tubin back on CNN pantless? Um, Yeah. So I mean, you know, these old stories will have forever. I guess. Yay. yeah it's I like a silent for a hot to, dog to and a economy. hamburger during the pandemic what have you been going what's been happening to you <laughs> married trump <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord uh we'll
0: t- will you do me a favor and tell uh, wh- what sort of uh, what what's the next show when is it and how can people participate
2: uh we got a big pride show coming up this thursday june 24th uh 6 p.m pacific 9 p.m eastern whatever central time put in the number. I always get it wrong. Maybe eight. Mm. Um, and uh, it's all on Rush Tix. R-U-S-H-T-I-X dot com. Uh, us. Um, yeah. So I'm hosting and uh, uh, Gloria Bigelow and uh, Sheila Ratner, Bridget McManus. Uh, the lineup kind of just changed. So there's also more people. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's going to be really fun. And then I'll be doing a live Q&A with uh, Gloria Bigelow, who writes now on Bob Hart's Abby Shola. And she's a phenomenal uh, stand up. So it'll be uh, it'll be great. And then you have Q&A's at the end still. Yeah. Yeah. So Gloria, Gloria's going to headline Gloria will do like 15 minutes and Gloria now will talk for 15 minutes. And that's my favorite part. I might just do like a new version of it in the fall where I just no one does stand up. I just talk to everybody because it's so much more fun than actually doing jokes. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see.
0: Just do that at the live show. Just bring them out and yeah, yeah. two mics. We'll talk. for a I while. think
2: people would 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 buy a ticket for a show where I was just doing sort of like a late night thing and I just was talking to everybody because honestly it's just so fun to like when, when dana and i were doing the Q&A, I was like i could do this for another hour it was so Aaron, fun.
1: were you at the funny fest in albuquerque when we did that i think so it was page fortune and you we did the q a after and it was just balls. like that
2: that's right oh my god where you mean you, you don't mean the q you mean page taking over oh, yes, the show but the audience
1: okay. loves that kind of stuff everyone yeah. wants to see behind the curtain and when they get to do yeah. that they feel like they're part
2: of the show even more yeah yeah so anything to thwart me doing jokes, I think, <laughs> is the whole point of this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Joke thwarting. Joke
2: thwarting. All right. Well, everybody, if you
0: seriously, June 24th, Thursday, six Pacific, eight, I think. Central. You're right, Central. Nine E.D.T. And uh, three in the morning in Iceland. Poor yeah, people yeah. that
2: live in Mountain Time, huh? Mountain Time really just gets crapped on.
0: They get the shaft. Yeah.
2: No one's ever said 7 p.m. Mountain ever. Has anyone ever said that?
0: <laughs> Let's just start. Let's just do all our shows in Mountain Time and the rest can work it out.
1: No, no one will be there. Four people <laughs> from Albuquerque will be like, the show is amazing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I just thought of that. No one's ever said mountain time. I'm just going to do 20 minutes on mountain time. T- time zone centric New Yorkers will be very upset. Yeah. Uh,
0: all right. And that's rushticks.com. It's Gays R Us with the letter R. Gays R Us. And I really appreciate you joining us today. And thank you so much. Everybody, Aaron Foley.
2: Good to see you, my You're friend. You're the best. Both of you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you both. Love you.
0: <laughs> love you too. I love you guys. All right, everybody stick around. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. Hello, Leguminati. It's Allison. And I hope listeners know that most home remedies and over-the-counter acne products and skin products do not work. Even worse, they can damage your skin. Don't get into that. Uh, what, what does work, though? Prescription treatments. I have so much to say about Apostrophe because you get a board-certified dermatologist to help you. I'm so excited to partner with Apostrophe. Um, they're sponsoring this episode. Uh, It's a prescription skincare company. They offer science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear acne. Apostrophe connects you with that board-certified dermatologist I was telling you about who will create a personalized treatment plan, uh, and it's perfectly tailored to your unique skin. Simply fill out Apostrophe's online quiz. It's very simple. Tell them about your skin goals and your medical history. Snap a few selfies and upload them, and then you'll get a dermatologist, board-certified, who will create a customized treatment plan for you. Apostrophe treats acne, and they can also help you hit other skincare goals like reducing redness, fine lines and wrinkles and dark spots. My personal skincare goal as an adult, even though I'm supposed to have zip clemency, is I want to work a little bit on the acne that has been plaguing me in my older years and uh, those little fine lines and wrinkles around my eyes. I love apostrophe because I get a real dermatologist, like I said, and my plan was tailored just for me. Submitting for my first visit was very quick, very simple. It totally took minutes. I didn't have to schedule an appointment. I got a board certified dermatologist. I didn't have to go to the pharmacy and wait in line to get my meds. They send it directly to my house. I absolutely love it. And the prescription medications feel great on my skin. It's smooth and light and absorb nicely. And we have a special deal for you. So save $15 off your first visit with that board-certified dermatologist at apostrophe.com slash beans. When you use our code beans at checkout, this code is only available to our listeners. So to get started, again, go to apostrophe.com slash beans. Click begin visit. Use code beans at sign up. And you'll get fifteen dollars off your dermatology visit. It'll only be five dollars. That's apostrophe, A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash beans, and use the code beans to get your dermatology visit and save fifteen dollars. And thanks again to Apostrophe for sponsoring the show. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Oh, Dana, it was it's been nice to have you here throughout the entire show today, I must say.
1: Oh, it's been nice to be here. I do love Aaron. I mean, we we have a nice we have such a nice friendship. She's just a stellar human. You're a stellar human. It was a nice little threesome joy ride. That was fun. I appreciate that.
0: And uh, again, everybody, RushTix.com, gays RS Comedy, Aaron Foley, 624. That's Thursday at 6. No, excuse me seven mountain time (laughs) (laughs) that's what
1: we're doing everyone in new mexico we're looking out for you now colorado we got i got your back
0: big ups quirky all right um that's i just invented that nickname for albuquerque um all right first up here from the good news by the way if you have anything you want to submit to the good news confessions corrections misheard lyrics shared swears find the cat happy places what the mutt town twisters limericks louis Gomert is as dumb as what you can do that by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. And you know, while you're at it, hey, anything you any any uh, sort of reaction you have to the, the Mike Lindell story, please. The Pillow guy. I'd love to hear it. All right. First up from Scott. No pronouns given. I live in Texas and I have thoughts on Louis Gohmert. If brains were gasoline, he wouldn't have enough to run a pissant's go kart two laps around a Fruit Loop. That's all I got. Have an excellent day and a sincere thank you for the insights, the information, the education, the inspiration and all of your hard work. Thank you, Scott. I love it. I love that one.
1: Can we also talk about what a great visual it is about ants driving go-karts around Froot Loops? How fun is that? Yeah. He, right. doesn't have,
0: he doesn't have enough if brains are gasoline.
1: Love it. Here's another quickie. This is from Steven. No pronouns given. I was lucky enough to move to Yakuts, if that's what I'm saying, because this is probably, I guess that city, Yakuts, um, Oregon. <laughs> Probably not right, but that's okay. Um, two years ago, after visiting the coast here for decades, many people have trouble pronouncing the name. Add Dana Goldberg to that list. When I was bought, <laughs> when I bought my house, I was told I was now officially a Yacassian. Um, That can't be right. Another difficult pronunciation. Any guesses? Answer is Yahats. Uh,
0: yahats. Yahats.
1: And yeah, I would Y-ha-t-s. have said
0: Yakats. I would have said Yachts. And a Yahatian. Your Haitians in your hots, huh? Awesome, interesting. All right, there you go. Thank you very much, Stephen, for that. Uh, next up, pronouns: she and her from Cynthia. I have a town twister for you with a corollary, corollary town in an adjacent state. I can't pronounce corollary today, Cynthia, so it's not looking good. <laughs> in the northwestern corner of Louisiana, in what is called the Arklatex region, the corner where Arkansas, Louisiana, and Texas touch, there's a town called Deep Breath. Natcha It's named after a native tribe in the area, and there is a sister town in Texas called Nacogdoches. Let me tell you, if you've never heard anyone pronounce it, you're already lost. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I am now. I bet you're really close though. Keep going though. When I was an undergraduate, I worked on a project in Natchitoches, for which we students had to transport ourselves. However, none of us could find the town, the town on the map, because in Louisiana, this town is pronounced nakatesh mm. no lie the texas sister town is pronounced nakadoches oh i kind of got that one i think uh the actual tribal name is pronounced nashit 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 Has amazing cultural heritage and is home to the Cane River Creole National Historic Park. I love that. And the National Park Service's National Center for Preservation, Training, and Technology. If you're passing through the area, you should absolutely stop there to check it out. For pod pet tax, I've included my handsome Goffin's cockatoo, Akiva. Akiva is a rescue and has unfortunately turned out to be a fierce biter. Ouch, so no cuddles for Akiva. But he's a real clown who's very happy to scurry around with his toys and occasionally bite my toes. Oh, goodness. What a beautiful bird. Oh, so pretty. Oh, cool, you got the Albuquerque one. You're next with that. Oh, Albuquerque. here we go.
1: I like Jim. Jim writes into us from time to time. Jim in Albuquerque pronouncing him. Cat names and Gomert commentary listening to the June 21st good news. When you read the great pet names, I instantly thought of kitten. We fostered years back. My wife, Jan, volunteered with a rescue group. We usually had extra cats around the house in addition to our own. We were foster failures. (laughs) With the first litter, we took in and kept them all. We couldn't (laughs) take one more permanently, but had a rotating cast of one to three temps for a while. This is one of our own, Rusty, and a foster we called Quark. Don't know what this little girl was named by whoever adopted her. We always came up with our own names for them while they were with us. We called this kid Quark because she was the smallest kitten we'd ever fostered. Rusty was a kitten himself when he was taken. Now, concerning Louis Gomer, every time I hear his name, I think of Gomer Pyle, me too. No doubt a lot of people do. When I was a marine grunt, Gomer Pyle was on TV at lunchtime, and if we weren't in the field, we watched it in the barracks. We loved it Louis. Uh, did make his TV namesake look brilliant, though. <laughs> his <laughs> earnest stupidity would be endearing if he wasn't so damned hateful. Right? Louis Gomert has, right? Louis Gomert has to take his shoes off to count past 10 and his pants off to count past 21. <laughs> or count to 21. Very good. My late stepfather would have looked at him and drawled in his own Southern accent. If ignorance is bliss, that fell as a blister. If brains were dynamite, he couldn't blow his nose. (laughs) (laughs) You probably would have gone on to call him a twerp, which my stepfather defined as a person who would fart in the bathtub and bite the bubbles. That's disgusting, (laughs) Jim. Thank you for that, though. Uh, Whenever you're uh, able to take the show on the road again, please come to Albuquerque. Um, And it would be great whenever you next do a hometown show, Dana. Please let us know when and where. Jim, you have my word. Um, I miss doing the funny fest and I would love to get AG out there so we can do a live beans. That would be really yeah, fun. Yeah,
0: I, I was thinking, you know, we just do a tour around some cities that um, Muller She Wrote missed and then a couple that we already hit. But then, you know, you, you'd you be able to book comedy at the at, at other venues in those towns. It would
1: be so rad. i would have a blast. And maybe you would kick off your stand up chops. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> You're like, nope, those got put away forever. You revive
0: from the dead. Yes, uh, this is amazing. By the way, I love this. <laughs> I love this quark. By the way, is such a cool name. And and it, I was like, ooh, um, what if you named like if you had a litter of kittens and you named them after the types of quarks? But that would be bad because the types of quarks are, uh, let's see, strange, charmed, top, bottom, up and down. So I think it might be weird to have cats named top and bottom, but. Maybe, maybe
1: not. I mean, not if you're a gay male couple tops that are with female. I mean, I'm sure some lesbians have their cats named tops and bottoms. <laughs> All right. Let's move on before I get us thrown off the radio or the air, the podcast network. We uh, could throw
0: ourselves off of our own feed. It's I great. know. Duh, to the to pox on us, I swear. <laughs> Next up from Kelly, pronouns she and her. Misheard song lyric attaches a video of my four-year-old daughter who constantly requests that I play the song Baby, You Can Papa a Worm uh, on my, I guess, phone for her. Can you guess what song it really is? Hint, it was sung at the Joe Biden inauguration special that was on TV on inauguration night. Now, should we play a clip here?
1: Yes, because I, I guessed it. I know you were like, what is that? <laughs> Let's listen.
2: Baby, you can papa a worm. You can paw,
1: paw, paw. I'm almost 100 percent sure that it's Katy Perry's Baby You're a Firework, which I know that's not what it's called, but I think that's the lyrics she's singing.
0: <laughs> it's so adorable though, whatever it is. It really is. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's Katy Perry.
1: You're a firework. Yep. Baby, you. you're a
0: pop a worm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's gotta Baby, be.
1: you're a pop. Yep,
0: I know. Yep, you're right. That's what it
1: is. <laughs> Oh, thank you for I, that. Uh, we do enjoy the kids' oh, creativity. This next one's from Vicki, pronouns she and her. Hello, Dr. A.G., Dana, Amy, and your wonderful staff. Listening since MSW, Friday's episode, 618, gave me an idea for a new category, Baby Swears. The story of the three-year-old ratting out mom reminded me of a story my son told me about my two-year-old grandson. He went to t- okay, He went to wake the tyke from a long nap and said, hey, buddy, time to get up. Kid groaned with a binky in his mouth and responded sleepily. Oh fuck,
2: that's my boy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember when uh, th-
0: this is good. If you have a baby, swears these are the best because I remember when my three-year-old, two-year-old daughter, um, three, three, she was three. My three-year-old goddaughter was in the back seat. I'm in the front seat with her mom, and the the car we we take off, and then you hear the beeping because my friend didn't put her seatbelt on. Uh huh. And both Lily and I are like, put on your seatbelt. And she goes, OK. And she's like, I know, I know. And she's putting her seatbelt on. And from the back seat, I hear Lily go, Jesus
1: Christ.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Those are the best. I, some of these videos that are going around, there's a little sweet little boy and he, he has an accent. He goes, Mama, there's a monkey on the car. And then <laughs> it's real quiet. And you hear him go, fuck off she's <laughs> yeah. like a giant gorilla on the car yeah or did you see the fucking goat one? oh yeah i love the fucking goat one <laughs> it's a fucking goat no honey it's a goat it's, yeah, a, it's fucking a fucking goat, fucking
0: goat. <laughs> uh, finally from matt the carpenter pronouns he and him hello ladies from rural suffolk england i'd like to share a swear my mum used to great effect when i was growing up i say swear but it's more an audio described dramatic vignette <laughs> imagine if you will my mother tripping over a dog whilst carrying a tray of eggs or kicking over a tin of paint. At this point, she would clench her fists and exclaim, Oh, shit, and fall back in it. Even as a child, I marveled at the cinematic quality of this short phrase. It still makes me laugh, and I often leave tins of paint around her house. Thanks for all you do. And don't beat yourself up about taking time off. Last time you took a holiday, maybe five years ago, I checked my feet all week and then realized if I miss this so much, I should be paying for it and signed up. Oh, That's right. I'm going to take it all away from you and see how you like it then. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I've actually recorded a shit ton of awesome interviews for everybody to listen to while I'm gone next week. As a pet tax, here are pictures of our three lurchers, Lily, Bishop and Lucky. Don't call that dog lucky. Call him shithead. <laughs> all right. Come here, shithead. Uh, the Jerk, one of the best movies of all time. Good luck guessing the genetics. The white one may have some piano accordion in there. Oh, my Lots goodness. Now, we didn't have any answers given, but look how cute. It looks like poodle feet.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Or, or goat feet. These look like two
1: totally different dogs in the second picture. Saluki,
0: there's some Saluki, maybe Afghan hound or Irish setter, that really long, slender nose, like Greyhound. Yeah.
1: You know? I'm just like, yeah, on this one. I'm guessed out. I am guessed out from this episode. And the and the one with the mostly white body
0: is clearly a goat.
1: Oh. (laughs) I just had to back off the microphone so I didn't blow it out. That was the best left turn, too. We both got a good left turn in on this episode. (laughs) It's a fucking goat. It's like, no, honey. It's just a goat. <laughs> it's
0: a nah. It's a fucking goat. All right. This has been a really, really fun episode. I'm gonna enter this into the I don't know whatever awards are up next. <laughs> I don't care. They, there aren't nearly enough podcasting awards, is what oh, I'm saying. Oh man,
1: I agree with you. A uh,
0: Pulitzer. This should be in for a Pulitzer. Damn it! With that That's my right. pillow stuff that you poured on is amazing. Oh, All right,
1: so I can't. That just sounds like a fictional <laughs> podcast.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, that's probably what they would say. They'd be like. Mm. You know, this is great, but it's just not real.
1: Yeah, sorry. We can't green like that. It's way too far-fetched.
0: Pulitzers are for people who talk about real things. Mm.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, anyway, thank you,
0: uh, everyone, for sending these in. If you have anything you want to send in, send them into dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. And while you're gone, if you want to sign up as a a patron, it's just, it's 36 bucks a year. You get these episodes ad-free and you get them the night before they come out and you get the Molo She Wrote episodes early and ad-free. You get the Book Club episodes early and ad free. And I mean, 36 bucks a year. And then, and then I'll come back and everybody will be subscribed and I'll be like,
1: what? You guys love me. You really love me.
0: <laughs> but thank you so much for all of this. Dana, do you have anything you want to say? Before I we
1: do. And you don't know I'm going to do this. And so I apologize, but we'll talk, maybe we can d- cover this more in depth in the, a future episode, but Carl Nasib, Carl Nasib is the first active NFL player to come out of the closet. This is a big deal. There's former players that have come out as gay. This is the first active player. He is currently in the NFL. Carl, welcome to the family. I'm incredibly proud of you. And uh, yeah, so I'm going to end on that because that's fucking awesome.
0: Yes, that is so amazing. First active NFL player out. Wow.
1: Big big deal. Big deal.
0: The times they are changing. I love this so much. Thank you for bringing that up. We will cover that a little more in depth later in the week. Thank you so much. Everybody, until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been Allison Gill. And I've been Dana Goldberg. And them's the Pulitzer Beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for the Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.